Hey there all you EM transporters out there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Firstly, I have to apologize for being gone for so long. I know it's been a couple weeks since I put out a podcast, and right now this is going to be a little adjunct in between our larger podcasts. Today is going to be a little mental bump, and it's going to be a little mental bump over unity and the aspect of a team dynamic. And I'm going to give you a tale of two flights, and these are two flights that I actually took on EM Air, where I'm working now. But before we get to that, let me give you a little update on what's to come in future episodes. Firstly is going to be a tale uh, of my friend and I on a mountain, and it's going to coincide with the podcast to come over frostbite and hypothermia. And then after that, we might do another boxing injury part two coming because it, it seemed to be taken in well by the public. So that, that might be another one. And if you guys have any other recommendations that you guys would want to hear on the podcast that you would want want me to uh, research and discover more about and then put it out there on the waves, just please feel free and get to me at the social media that will be mentioned at the end of the podcast. Now let's get to these flights that I mentioned before, because that's what this mental bump is going to be over. It's going to be over these two flights that I took uh, not too long ago. Now the first flight was still in last year. It was maybe December 29th or December 30th, but it, it left a strong impact on me, and here's why. Let me, let me paint the picture of what kind of flights these were. They were in 50 mile an hour winds. Um, they were unable to open the hangars of our normal FBO, and that's because the winds were going so fast that it could rip off the doors of the hangars. And it's actually happened before, which is why they were so cautious not to open them again. So we didn't have a plane. So what we did is we actually went to our uh, other FBO across the state. They sent us a plane. They flew a plane over with pilots that we don't readily work with and a plane that we aren't just used to being in. So now we have a, a new plane. It's 50 mile an hour plus winds. They're unable to open the hangars. It's freezing conditions. Part of the taxing area is a little bit frozen. And we need to go to another part of New Mexico that is having the same weather over there as well as low visibility and also a freezing taxing area and unable to open the hangars down there. And we need to go pick up a high-risk OB patient. Now, all these factors spell disaster. You know, they're, they're the pilots that we're not used to working with. There are the terrible weather conditions. There's the new plane that we're not really acclimated in. And there's also the high-risk patient that we need to try to maintain and take care of. And, you know, just to throw a little monkey wrench in there, it was her first flight ever. So she was a little exacerbated over the flight. But the, what I wanted to get through to you guys is, is that there were a lot of things that my partner and I at the time, and, and I'll tell you her name because she was just amazing in attempting to you know, uh, force the pilots to be part of the team that we were actually used to working with. And I'll, I'll get into that later. Her name was Piper. Yes, like from Orange is the New Black, that kind of a piper, but not that kind of a piper. She's a great, great critical care nurse. So when we see the pilots, we could see a little bit of 
hurriedness in the air. And not only because it was so windy outside that we had trouble loading the baggage into the plane, but because they were just moving so quickly and they weren't really talking to us about what was going to happen and what was to come. So we continued to ask, you know, hey, how's the weather down there? What's the weather like here? Are we going to have any issues? What we were trying to do is get a flight plan. And that's what we had been asked to do on all our flights. And we've just become accustomed to do. And we even have a sheet to do it with. But their remaining answer from both the pilots, well, the weather's going to be bad. And when I would inquire about, you know, the weather where we're going to land, well, it's going to be a little bit worse. And it was the kind of attitude about this that it was a separation from us and them. They're going to fly the plane. We're going to sit in the back. That has truth to it, but really shouldn't be that way. It should be a conglomeration of minds working at a set goal. And this goal is to get us and the patient safely from one area of the world to another area of the world. And there really wasn't a lot of that. So with that in the air, there was kind of a, a, a feeling that I had that, man, this could really end badly. And I just don't know what to do. Thankfully, I personally already have my will made up of things that I, you know, I would want to have happen if I were to die. And I know if my parents are listening to this, they're not going to want to hear this, the families and loved ones. But it's something that's important that all of us do, especially in the profession of flying patients and being in an aircraft of any kind. It's important that you have documents made for after your death if it were to happen. And we never want that to happen. We want to prevent that from ever happening. But it's something you got to think about. And this was the kind of flight where you send cryptic texts to your family and loved ones saying, I love you, and then proceeding to freak out. And when you land at the other base, them calling you repeatedly to make sure that you were okay because they know that you're flying today. And that's what happened to me. I sent a bunch of texts out, you know, just saying, smiley face, I love you, everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. Because it really felt unsafe. And not just because of the weather, but because of the way the pilots were interacting with the crew. It just didn't seem right. It was new to me. And I didn't understand. So a long story short, yes, the trip was filled with crazy turbulence, low visibility, uh, freezing points on both ends where we had to de-ice multiple times, but we got the patient back to where they needed to go. And where we brought them, like I said, the weather was a little bit worse. And those 50-mile winds made it a nightmare to transfer this patient from the, from the air ambulance to the regular ambulance on the ground. These winds nearly knocked over the gurney, and we had to four-point it and, and attempt to move this gurney from one area of a frozen taxi to another. And, and again, there was minimal help from the pilots, which is something that we're really not too used to at EM Air. We're really used to that hive mind mentality of we need to get this patient safely from A to B. Now, I know this story might have left a sour taste in your mouth, but I want to put a sweet taste in there because 
I started off the new year with an amazing flight. So I worked through the New Year's on a 72-hour shift. And on the 31st, we get a call. And it's a call for a pretty critical patient. A pediatric code recess in the field needed to be transported to a critical care pediatric ICU from a rural facility. And that's where we were headed. A rural part of New Mexico to transfer this high-acuity, low-frequency patient. So again, I'll paint the picture. It's not very different from the last flight. Again, high winds. There's freezing and below freezing temperature. The taxi areas at both locations are frozen, but there is one difference. We are able to open our own hangars and use our own pilots. And the only reason we have our own plane is because when the winds died down, we quickly moved out our plane in the dead of night before the winds picked up again. So that's how we got our own plane. So we load up our gear, get in our plane, and we take off. We're high above New Mexico. We're looking out at the landscape, and and it's great. It's grand. The, The lights of the 31st at night are glowing. But then the pilot calls me up to the cabin, which is kind of new for me. I'm not really too new new with this sort of ideal of the pilot quickly calling up one of the medical personnel into the cockpit. So he calls me up there and he says, Charlie, there's a piece of the plane that's broken. And I need you to look at something for me and make sure that I'm seeing this correctly. And he has me look at the two altimeters. One is reading... 7,000, and the other one is reading 9,000. And thankfully, we had a flight plan before we left, and we both knew that there was low visibility where we were headed, so we needed these altimeters, the primary altimeters on the right and left side of the cockpit. And I, and I agreed. I said, yes, this says 700, this 7,000, this says 9,000. So he told me, listen, we're going to run through some checklists, try to get this back to working order again, but if we can't, we're going to have to change what we're going to do, and we're going to do another checklist to land back at our original FOB, and so I relayed the message to the crew. They understood, and the checklist failed. It didn't fix anything, but that's okay, because they said, listen, we're going to stay up in the air, run out all of our fuel for roughly 30 to 40 minutes to be able to land safely back at our base, and we were able to do so. We landed, we were able to communicate with the ground crew, and we landed safely back at our base. And then proceeded to hop into our other plane, which we took out just in case. So both of our planes were out, we had them available to us, we hopped in the other plane, and we went over the same thing, another flight plan discussing what could happen, what could be at the next area, what are we expecting when we take off, when we land. Both the medical and flight crew were in agreement of what needed to be done and what we were predicting in the future to happen. So again, we take off, this time an hour later, after we be sure that it is safe enough for us to fly and we have clearance from both airports. But there was something a little bit different about this time. There was a calmness 
and a preparation in this flight that that was different than the last flight, which we, which was odd because this weather was incredibly worse. But the pilots took their time to check de-ice and and thoroughly go through every step before ever getting into the plane and completely communicating with the crew on what they were doing. It was almost like seeing an old school paramedic or a paramedic that is really apt on his feet communicating to the crew about what needed to be done. It was the mind of a resuscitationist, but for a pilot. And they were able to really comfort not only myself, but the rest of the medical crew. Having that sort of calm understanding really made it easier for us to understand what needed to be done, what was expected of us, and what we were to expect in the flight to come. So we take off, we land, and the pilot had the great idea of being able to land and then taxi into the hangar that they were now able to open because the ground was again icy and it was too dangerous to unload and load the patient in this icy taxi area. So we taxied into a hangar and we were able to use that as a safer mode of transportation. So the ambulance crew picks us up. They state that it's going to be a long time till we get to the hospital because the roads have iced over and we need to take it a little bit slow. So after about a, a 45 minutes to an hour of driving, we get to the hospital. We see our patient intubated in critical condition. The family is there, roughly seven or ten people, all looking very concerned. And the crew that I was with just did such an amazing job of calming the family and having them understand what we were going to do, the risks to come, and how we are going to treat the patient. Because there were multiple facets of this patient that put him in danger. Not only the transport and the weather conditions, but also the manifestation of his illness to begin with. His past medical history, the status epilepticus that was still remaining to happen, his dropping blood pressure, him being a code recess. All these things we had to take into account when treating this patient, and I could not be prouder of the communication that myself and my crew that I was flying with on that day had with the family and the care providers at this rural hospital. There was no blame. There was, there was no ego there. There was just a common goal. There was a unity. And that was to take care of the person sitting on the other side of that gurney. So while we were taking care of the patient, we had continuous communication with the new hospital that we were attempting to go to. And it was in another part of the state that was just as bad as one where we came from and where we were right then. The weather throughout the state was making flight conditions just hard. But we knew that this patient needed to go somewhere now. This patient was in dire strains of a critical care ICU. And he needed treatment quickly. So about an hour after stabilization in the hospital that we just picked the patient up in, the airport that we had originally planned on going to allowed us to go, but with one caveat. They stated that their 
de-icing machine was iced over. It was that cold. And there were no other de-icing machines anywhere near there. So if we were to transport to the uh, original location that we had planned on going, we would be able to go there, but we wouldn't be able to leave for who knows how long. And the group made a pretty instantaneous decision that this patient needed to get to that hospital, regardless of whether we could leave that area for an allotted amount of time or not. This patient needed that hospital, and we were going to go there. And so, like I said, this hive mind, usually used in negative connotations, was used for good. The pilots, the flight crew, the medical crew understood that we could be held over in this other part of the, the, the country for who knows how long. But they didn't matter because we needed this patient to get there now. So after this decision was made, we loaded up the patient, continued treating the patient, put him in the ambulance, transported him to the airport, into the hangar, and then into the plane. And at the plane, we had the de-icing machine where we were, right? At this rural facility. And again, the pilots talked to us before we left and continuously and methodically checked this plane, ran through checklists, double-checked, triple-checked aspects of the plane and the de-icing to make sure that we were going to be able to reach our destination safely. Because that's all that matters, is that we get there safely. So they spent a good 30 to 40 minutes making sure that we were going to be able to take off, land, and fly without a hitch. And that's what we did. We took off and landed safely. And when we got to where we were going, we transported the patient to the hospital. We had to do a little bit more critical care with drops in blood, brush, blood pressures, with the continual seizures, with the patient just being in a very bad way. But it was much easier because we knew that we were safe and we knew that the pilots had our best interest and their best interest and the patient's best interest in mind. And it was a little bit of fun practicing critical care medicine in a not so well lit cabin with a lot of turbulence, with poor weather conditions and a crashing patient is one way to get your adrenaline running, but not a way I would want it to run on a regular basis. So we transferred the patient, albeit 12 hours into this, what should have been a three-hour flight, has now elongated itself to weather and beat on its pilots and its crew that we were just zombies at the end of this. We were able to find a hotel, find a place to stay. Our flight coordinator really helped us out by buying us food, getting us a warm bed to sleep at night for the rest of the night, and attempt to fly us out soon or sometime once this de-icing machine was able to be up and running. And it only took 12 more hours. We were only in this other part of the country for 12 more hours, and we were able to fly out again.
But can you see the difference between these two stories? The first flight filled with a lot of anxiety and unknowing of what could happen and no communication between the pilot staff and the medical staff. And that can really cause dangerous conditions not only in the air, but with patient care as well. Sometimes we use the pilots to help us transfer the patients from inside the cabin to the ambulance. So what I'm trying to tell you and what I'm hoping you're getting from this story is that I need you to think as a team. So I'm sure you guys all remember working on the streets or working in the ER or the ICU with your nurses and techs and your paramedics and EMTs or double paramedics or double nurses and now in the air with pilots that you can't do this alone, that there needs to be unity in between the teams. I'm sure we all wish and hope and I know that I thought when I was first becoming a paramedic that I can do everything and anything and I don't need help from anyone. But it didn't take me long for me to realize that that is just horseshit and that we all need help and that it's not about you and your ego It is about the person sitting on that gurney in front of you. So I want you guys to do me a favor. The next time you're out in these terrible weather conditions, whether it be in an ER, whether it be in a helicopter, in a plane, in a jet, on the streets in an ambulance, in either a fire truck or a, a mobile transport unit, I want you to talk to your entire team. Let them know what you think, what might need to happen, what we need to look out for. Hey, you know, there are icy roads out there. We need to be sure and take it slow out there. Let's see if we could put some snow chains on there, get some better traction on our ambulance or on our fire trucks. Because I don't want to see another rollover on the news. I'm getting tired of watching the news and watching our brothers and sisters get injured and injure others and wreck ambulances and not be able to transport or respond to people who need our help in these terrible weather conditions. And I believe that with communication, we're going to be able to overcome these challenges. The next time you're on a plane, the next time you're going up on a helicopter, talk to your flight staff. Talk about weather conditions, plane conditions. What do you think is going to come up next? What should we expect not only for our takeoff? What about our landing back at where we need to be? What about our landing where we're going to go? The weather conditions over there, is it going to be low visibility, freezing temperatures? Is the weather going to be worse over there? Just so we know what to expect. In the ER or the ICU, talk to your team. Let them know, hey, The weather's getting a little bad out there. We might have an influx of patients today. We're going to need to move beds. We're going to need to treat patients quickly. We're going to need to keep rounds on our patients. This communication can only strengthen your medical practice. So that's what I'm going to ask from you today. Strengthen your medical practice by communicating, by having unity with inside your team, because together we can progress EMS.
So I wanted to leave you with a little bit of social media today. Uh, just remember that you can always find us on Twitter at emtransport81 or find us on Instagram at Papa Bear Medic. Write us a line. Send us an email at emtransportradio at yahoo.com. Visit our website. We're going to have pictures of everybody that was uh, uh, on this flight today from the pilots named Keenan and Jose, and I won't give you their last name. I'll just give you their first name just because I don't know if they want me to mention their last name. Maybe they might be on the lam or something, but I, I feel that they are amazing pilots and they really made me feel comfortable to the flight crew that I rolled with on this critical care pediatric recess, uh, Greg and Ree, both a, a critical care paramedic and a flight nurse that were just uh, instrumental in the way that they resuscitated this patient. I, I was thoroughly impressed. You could also check us out on SoundCloud and on any of the podcast apps that if you're listening to this, you probably already have, but spread the word. EM Transport has some new podcasts that are coming out soon, and we will see you on the next one. So here's the sign out that we normally do. Remember that every patient is family. And we'll see you on the next one.